Amen. And uh, please stay standing. Please stay standing for the reading of the Word of God. This is Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. So you won't have to stand for very long. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the reading and the hearing of your word. Jesus, Messiah. We're humbled to be in your presence, Lord. You are the Lord of all. You are the King of kings. You are the Son of God, risen from the dead, reigning over all things, ready to return in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. God, we, we welcome your return, Lord Jesus. And while we wait, God, empower us to be unashamed. Unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of the message that saved us, changed us. And oh God, may your spirit work through your word this morning to just encourage folks. God, there are some here who are just fearful, walking in nervousness because they don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know what you're going to take them through next. They don't know what the the next chapter is going to look like. But God, you know, Jesus, you're right here. And would you, would you replace fear with faith? Would you replace skepticism with full-hearted, unashamed faith in the Word of God? And Lord, certainly we would pray for anybody here who does not yet know Jesus. Lord, would you be so gracious, gracious to them? And would you reveal to the person who's unsaved their need for repentance, their need for Jesus, their need for conversion. God, would you do that? Would you do that work, Jesus? We pray that you'd do that amongst us. And oh God, we need you so much. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be together in the word. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm the lead pastor and preaching pastor at Living Waters. And we're thankful that you are here with us this morning. What a privilege it is for you to be here uh, this morning. And yeah, I mean, it's a little hot outside. I wore a sweatshirt thinking it was cold. I'll be fine. Church, I like sweat through the first sermon, like this morning at 8.30. I'm like, close it up, Daggett. Like you're going to sweat in really offensive ways here. So um, yeah, so it's not. So I'm pulling up the sleeves. I hope this works. And, and, and apparently um, it's not quite fall yet. So, uh, so thankful. Romans 1 is where we're going to be this morning, verses 16 and 17. Just two verses. Last week, we talked about prayer, and we looked at Paul's prayer in, in um, chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. And now, uh, we, we talked about expansion, praying for expansion, praying for open doors, and praying for harvest. And this week, we are talking about something that I think is really related because it's, it's Paul's next argument in the text, and it's all about unashamed gospel living, 
living unashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome in verse 15. And then he goes on and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, by the way. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so we're talking about Christians being unashamed, let's be honest, in a culture that wants you to be shamed all the time. We live in a culture that wants you to feel shame for who you are. If you believe in Jesus, you shouldn't believe that. You should, you should be ashamed. And this is just the reality of the world we live in. It's very secular, right? Satan rules over the, he's the prince of the power of the air. We have our own flesh that gets involved as well. And how many of you just don't share Jesus because you're just straight up scared, right? Don't raise your hands. You're probably too scared to raise your hands. Ha, right? But some of you don't share Jesus because you're just too scared to. Like, what's going to happen? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose a friendship. I don't want to get ostracized. I don't want to get left out. There is a real shame feeling that you can feel as a Christian. So therefore, it's just easier not to say anything. It's easier to not stand for Christ. And you read Paul's letter and you read this verse, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and you're wondering in your mind, like, I, I am. I kind of am. That might be a lot of Christians. Okay, before I got saved, it was a lot of, like, fit in, do all the things, have all the fun, have all the relationships, say no to nothing, say yes to everything, right? That was my life. Went to church on Sundays. Mom and dad made me do it, and so we did it, right? So I was a good Baptist boy. But in the outside of that, it was just like, no holds barred, let's just live however we can live, right? Without it being a huge thing. And I remember when I came to Christ, I felt this love, you know? Like when you come to Jesus and you get to know Jesus as your Savior, you feel the love of Christ. Amen? Can I get a witness? Any saved people out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just love the Lord, right? The Lord's love is a big deal. What is unanticipated, right, after you come to Christ is the fear that you feel about naming the name of Christ. I was not ready for that. Because I'm all excited. I got saved. I figured everybody else would just be as excited as I was. You start sharing Jesus with your friends. I had a Bible study in Romans in my house with some friends of mine. And all of a sudden, I got some, I got some weird reactions. I perceived them to be weird. I'm going for it for Jesus. And not everybody as excited as I was. I started feeling a little fearful. Like, well, I don't want that experience again. Daggett, let's go do a kegger. Let's go do some drugs. Let's do, do the things. I, well, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I love Jesus now. I love Jesus. He's my, he's my Lord. That's weird. Lose a lot of friends. That hurts. Right? So then you start feeling like, man, maybe there's this fear. Fear of man. Fear of... I like a comfortable life. I like comfort in my life. I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position again. So over the years, there's been a lot of different things. As I've grown older, here's the wonderful thing about growing older. I'll, I need an old people amen here, hopefully, after this. Yeah, all right, I got one already. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Gary. So what I'm finding, the beautiful thing about getting older is that I just don't care as much anymore. That's awesome. I, I, I care less and less every day. It's really cool, man, to share the gospel and you get all kinds of reactions. 
I'm like, yeah, I care less and less actually about what people think about me. Hallelujah. That is a, that's freedom in Jesus. All right. So, so uh, there's been people who have argued with me about the gospel in this church. They've argued with me after the service. Like one time I had a guy after service, he said, pastor, you know, good sermon, but you know what I wanted to do during the message while you were preaching? What'd you want to do, man? I wanted to run up on stage. And I just wanted to like say everything I disagreed with about your message. Like I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to run up on the stage. And I'm like, bro, that ain't the Holy Spirit you're hearing, right? That's a different kind of spirit. But we argued for like 30, 45 minutes. Pastor Chad came into the hallway. We had this argument with this guy. He ends up leaving. Ah, you know, you guys are false teachers. I, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. Who cares? Another lady, she came to church shared the gospel with her before service. She got there before because she didn't know. She'd never been to Living Waters before. And she came and she's just like, like just opposite. Like we're just having this conversation in this hallway and she's back and forth and back and forth. You guys, I'm sharing the gospel with her. You know what she did at the end of the conversation? She literally patted my head. And she said, someday, young man, you will understand the deep things of God. But right now, you don't. And I'm out of here. And I'm like, all right, see ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, right? And there's been people who have been argumentative. There's been people who have been anti-gospel. Well, that's just the age we live in, right? But you know what? I, I'm not living for that. I'm living for the people that God is working on, amen? Because God is always working. The gospel is always active. It's always drawing people to salvation in Jesus. I don't need to have the whole world believe, though that would be nice. I just need to go see where God's working and join him. Amen? Now, are you an unashamed Christian? Just personalize that in your own mind. Am I unashamed of the gospel? The number one thing that fights against you is fear. Fear is the number one enemy that you will face in this verse, in these, this passage. But I want to encourage you, some of you, many of you, <clears throat> all right, we're, we all have unashamed categories of our lives. We have areas of our lives that we are unashamed about. Guaranteed, I could find it in every single one of you in a conversation. I could figure out what you're not ashamed of. It just may not be Jesus, Right? Some of you, I call it the Elsa category, the unashamed category. I don't care what they're going to say, you know, from the Frozen Disney movie. It's the Elsa category. Everybody has an Elsa category. Some people are like, well, you know what? I'll do anything for my kids. Anything. Like anything. I don't care what people talk, say. I'm going to do this for my child. And if you're a child run home, like that's exactly what you do. You're like, you do it at all. You're unashamed. You don't care. You're here for your kids. How about this one for a, a category that's like really real in our culture today? I don't care what people think, my sexuality will be made known. All right, that's a category. Everybody's like, I, I'll let you know about my sexuality. I didn't ask to know about your sexuality. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. This is a thing in our culture where it's like, it's an unashamed thing. I just want to be free and open about that. And it's like, okay, but I'm just telling you, there's better categories in the world to be unashamed about. That's, that's one. About business or politics, you know, like, I don't care what people say, business is going to grow, the life, the world is going to be saved through politics. <laughs> Dude, come on. This world ain't going to be solved by politics. Are you kidding me? Don't buy into that lie. 
But everybody's like, I don't care what people think. I'm this, I'm that, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Here's the thing, Paul is saying, out of all the categories of your life, everything that you value, here's the appeal of Romans 1, 16 and 17. There is one category of your life in which you should be unashamed. And that is the category of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, how do we get there? Well, you have to see the gospel as valuable. So valuable that it's worth all of the stuff you have to go through to have Jesus. Isn't that how we always operate? We operate on, in a world where we're like, here's the most valuable thing in my life. Chicago Bears football tonight versus the Packers. Most valuable thing. Just kidding. I like Jesus more, but I am cheering for the Bears, right? Amen. But that's how we get through life. We see what we value the most, and we're like, okay, that's the thing. I'm so committed to that thing that anything else can happen, trials, tribulations, whatever, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to get that thing, and that's what makes it worth it. Paul is arguing this. The gospel needs to be so precious to you, so near to you, so powerful in your mind and heart that you look and see Jesus, and you say, if I get Jesus, I get everything. And the trials, the tribulations, the places that he takes me, the circumstances, that all can be different and change. But if I have Christ, I have it all. So if you want to be unashamed for the gospel, and that's the title of my sermon this morning, Unashamed. Very simple title. Hopefully you can remember it. If you want to be unashamed for Christ, you got to know what the gospel is all about and you got to love it. Because naming the name of Jesus is going to bring some attention your way, and not all of it's positive. So how are you going to get through? Well, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Look at, look at verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed. I don't have shame. Paul is repudiating shame. He's like, I am unashamed of who I am, and I'm unashamed of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm unashamed. I just want to make this quick point. That is an amazing statement coming from the Apostle Paul. Amazing. Here's why it's amazing. Paul's circumstances, if you read the book of Acts, were crazy town. Crazy town. If you look at the book of Acts and you follow Paul's story, he is not living the American dream. He doesn't have a nice house with a white fence in a suburb with a couple dogs and a couple kids. Paul is living this life for the gospel. Here's just a list of his circumstances. He has been imprisoned in Philippi. Not great. He's been chased out of Thessalonica. He's been smuggled out of Berea. He was laughed at in Athens by the philosophers. He was seen as a fool in Corinth. And he was nothing but an irritant and a sore spot in Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, he was stoned in Galatia. What am I saying? Your being unashamed has nothing to do with your circumstances. Circumstances are pretty crazy. Some of you are walking through circumstances right now that are just like out of control. I don't know what to do. There's all these things. There's hospital visits. There's, there's, there's stuff with the family. There's sin. There's discord. There's all this stuff. Josh, you have no idea. And I'm like, I, I may not know your story, but look at Paul's story. 
This guy's got everything going on. And by the way, he's just like, and I'm still not ashamed, by the way. I'm not ashamed of any of that stuff. I'm telling you, if I got thrown in prison tomorrow, I pray that I'd be okay as a pastor because like I know my theology, but I'm guessing there would be a moment or a season in that experience where I'd be like, did I do something wrong? Like, is the curse of God on me or the blessing of God? It's hard to tell. What if you got stoned for the gospel? You got physical. Somebody got physical with you because of Jesus. You might handle the first one, but what about the second one and the third one and over and over again, and all of a sudden, like, you come out of that saying what? I'd be like, well, I'm kind of ashamed. I'd be like, good night. Look at all this stuff. Paul says, I'm unashamed. Church, I just want to encourage you. Your joy in Christ, your joy in the gospel is not determined by your circumstances. Praise the Lord. It is determined by your love and your vision and your understanding of the gospel of Christ. That's where your joy is found. So, I'm going to give you this big idea for the sermon. The big idea is this. God wants you to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. God wants you to be unashamed. That's my prayer for you as a, as a church. That's my prayer for myself as a pastor. Is God, help me say no to fear and yes to faith. More and more and more and more. Help me say no to this and yes to this. I don't want to be ashamed. Confidently unashamed. Unapologetically unashamed. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher and theologian, said this. When we preach Christ crucified, we have no reason to stammer or stutter or hesitate or apologize. There is nothing in the gospel of which we have any cause to be ashamed. Amen. Here's a question that you might be asking in your mind. Okay, Josh, that's great. Awesome. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. How do I do that? How do I do that? How do I walk in this world unashamed of the gospel? What what is the answer? And here's the reality of what I'm going to give you. The answer is this. There's three truths from this passage, just two verses. Three truths. If you embrace these, if you take these in, if you believe these things, God will make you unashamed of the gospel. The first truth is this one, power. If you're going to be unashamed for the gospel, you need to understand power, the power of God, verse 16. For it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Okay, the word power there is dunamis, by which we get our word dynamite. And if you saw any pictures from the Hawkeye football game delay last night, you saw these big streams of lightning, these peals of lightning just coming straight out of the sky. And I don't know about you, but I thought about this verse, power. That's power right there. And more than nuclear power or natural power or the divine creative power of God, the greatest power of God is found in the concentrated reality of Jesus Christ. You want power in your life? Go to Jesus. You want to understand God's power on the earth? Go to Christ. Figure out the gospel. And if you figure out this power of God, you will be unashamed. Because there's no power that can overtake you. There's a lot of powerful things in this world. How many of you feel powerless in this world at times? Probably often. Every week you think, I'm just a person working a job in a neighborhood, living in a house, raising a family maybe. 
and I feel like I'm just one of 10 billion people. And here's the reality. We live in Iowa. It's flyover country. Nobody cares, right? Nobody cares about Midwest people. It's all about that East Coast, West Coast life, baby, you know? So people look over us already. And then it's like, and then in the midst of that, I feel like I'm just one of many people. And then you feel like I'm being overpowered. And here's the thing, the reality of your life, if you want your life to count, understand that the power of Almighty God exists in the gospel message itself. You want to plug into some power? Forget about the West Coast and East Coast. Just plug into heaven. Amen? Get to heaven. Get to the gospel. That's where the power of God is. Consider what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 24. He says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So here's what keeps us going. Here's what keeps us moving in the world we live in today. This is what gets you through your trial. God has the power through Jesus to minister to me. You got a lot of hospital visits in your future? How do you get through that? Your own power? No, you don't have enough. It's the power of God. It's the gospel that's going to carry you through. What about the relational strain that you're really working through? That it's the power of Christ that will get you through. What about the unsaved neighbor or the person who's obstinate toward you at work who needs Jesus in their life? Are you going to change them? No, you're not. The power of Christ will change them. We pray that the power of the gospel is manifest. So, does Pastor Josh save anybody, class? Anybody? What about the other pastors at church? Do they save people? No. Do you save people? Deacons and elders and small group leaders and all the people, members of the church, regular tenor. Do you all save anybody? No. Why? Because the power is in the gospel. You see what we're saying? We need God. We need his power to convert the lost sinner. When you get that, everything else becomes details. Because you're focused in on that truth. Truth number two, salvation. Not only do we need to understand the power of God, but the salvation of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So Paul says that the power of God in the gospel is on display in the arena of salvation. God is operating his power in the arena of salvation. What is that? Salvation is deliverance, rescue, being saved from a great danger. So God is mainly about saving sinners from their sin. If you want to know what the gospel is and be unashamed about it, it's that God is saving sinners from their sin. And all the sinners say, amen. <laughs> That's good, right? The gospel is mainly salvation from sin. Sin is pride and, and breaking God's law and not meeting God's requirements. It's missing the mark. Sin is what separates us from God. So the main thing that every human being needs is salvation from sin. Amen. You get that, you're going to get through some trials. My sins are forgiven. If I have cancer, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Praise God. My sins are covered. 
If, if my neighbor needs something, yeah, he might need his lawn mowed or he might need some help with his house projects. But the main thing my neighbor needs, salvation from sins. There's a lot of false gospels floating around these days in our culture, especially. There's all these false messages of salvation. And I just want you to, I want to point out a few of them to you because I think it's needed, right? False salvation, such as politics salvation. Politics ain't going to save you, right? I've got my political beliefs. Y'all have yours. Politics can't save the sinner from their sin. Can't happen. How about security and money? We're in a really rich country in this world. Maybe, maybe riches will take care of all the problems. Maybe education, maybe philosophy, maybe science. You see all these gospels that come to us every day on your social media feeds and, hey, here's the next important thing. Here's what you need to do. They're, they're important stuff. I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm saying that salvation does not flow through those things. Salvation flows when our hearts change and they meet Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Point out the false ones so you can embrace the good ones, the, the true ones. Salvation from sins. Everybody that you know needs salvation in their soul. So let's get down to it, Christians. If you're going to be unashamed, do you understand that? Unashamed Christians understand they know the biggest need and they go to the biggest need. So, but it's only for everyone who believes, right? So it says salvation, Andrew, I'm not, I'm not using you as an illustration, I know. Don't worry about it. Okay. So salvation, right, it comes to people through the gospel. They have to be saved from their sins for everyone who what? Believes. You got to believe. You have to have faith. This is your part of the grand equation of salvation is that salvation of sin is only good for the people who genuinely believe in Jesus Christ. It's like sitting down on a chair. A lot of you guys already did this. Well, every one of you has done this, all right? This morning, you came in. You didn't think about sitting down on the chair. You looked at the chair. You're like, okay, it's cool. It's good. It's a, it's a church chair, right? $18.99 at Costco. That's what you need to know. You look at it. You think it's okay. That's worthy of my trust. And then you put your full weight on it. I mean, that's what you all have done. What is that? Faith. Amen? Faith. This is what it takes to believe in Jesus. You see Jesus and you actually have to sit on Christ and actually rely on him. We do this every day in our lives. We walk by faith all the time. But we just need to put our faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. Like drinking water in your house. I would guess everybody has made that faith step this week. Y'all don't know what Des Moines Waterworks is putting in their purifying tanks. You have no idea what's floating around in your water. You have no clue. But you know what? You trust. You just trust. Every morning you, you, you fill up your water and you take a drink and you're trusting someone you've never met before. That is faith, people. Faith. What about restaurants? You go to restaurants all the time. You have no idea what's going on in that back kitchen. <laughs> And those of you who worked as a waiter or a waitress like myself for a couple years, you know what's going on in the back of that kitchen. And it is faith, y'all. 
I would come back, man, and we would have so, I won't tell you, there's so many stories about things I've seen in the kitchen. What's going on back there? And you bring the food out as a waiter and you're like, good luck, good luck, good luck. You walk by faith all the time. In order to go to heaven, in order to be saved from sins, you have to believe in Jesus like that. Some of you need to be saved this morning. Some of you need to repent and believe in Christ. If you are a Christian, the application for you is this. When you get it, when you start understanding that God doesn't change his priorities, that when he saved you, he introduced you to the priority of his heart, which is salvation of sinners. And when you get that as a Christian, that God's still concerned about that, you'll get through anything. Because Jesus' salvation is so cool and wonderful and near to you. Truth number three, if you're going to be unashamed, righteousness is the third truth that you need to think through. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Now, this word righteousness or righteous is used 60 plus times. That's a lot in Romans. 60 plus times in this letter. You could say that this is a big deal to the apostle Paul, that you understand what righteousness is and how you get it and how you're covered in it when you die. So basically, what the righteousness of God is, is this reality of God's holiness and his acceptance. When you stand before God, you have to be righteous in order to go to heaven. Good works won't get you there. In fact, good works, according to Isaiah 64, are like filthy rags. You want to know what all your good works look like? Filthy rags in God's eyes. Absolute filth. So therefore, you better have a righteousness that gets you into the heavenly gates. And when God looks at you, you're going to need perfection to get into his perfection. You need righteousness. What the gospel says is that Jesus Christ dies on a cross as the perfect son of God. And when he does that, he makes it possible for people to be righteous, sinners to be righteous, because he was the righteous one. He didn't deserve that death. We deserve that death. And Christ didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later to seal the righteousness so that when you put your faith in Christ, literally God does this mathematical exchange. He takes your filth and sin and he, he puts it on Christ's account. And then he takes Christ's account, his perfect righteousness, and he puts it on your account. So that when you stand before God and he is looking at you in his holiness, he looks not at Josh Daggett or you with your sin everywhere. He looks at the righteous robes of his son, Jesus. And it's at that moment we say, I don't even know what I'm doing here. But I believed in that man, and that man gave me this robe, and this robe gets me in. Praise God. That's how you get saved, people. 
Stop trying to work for it. It doesn't jive with the gospel. The gospel is free. And the righteousness is imputed to your account once you believe. So that's an amazing reality. Here's the beauty of 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul says this, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. See that perfection? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the beautiful exchange of God's grace. When you get this, you'll be unashamed. When you understand that any sinner, no matter what their background, no matter what their performance is like, no matter what they say or do, they can be forgiven and accepted by God through Christ by simply believing. Once you get that, you're going to get through anything. Because what can possibly be taken from you that God would feel threatened by? Nothing. You're secure. And when you understand other people can experience that, you want to share that with other people. Just the other day, and we'll close the message with this, just the other day, I was at Lincoln High School, and I was sharing uh, the gospel with uh, a newer believer. And we're sitting there right in, 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 right in the middle of Lincoln High School cafeteria. I love it! Sit down, put my Jesus book out there. That's right. Kick me out of the building, I don't care, whatever. So we're sitting there, and you hear all these non-Christian words, you know, all these kids everywhere. And I'm sitting with a new believer, and we are working through the gospel. Just a little book, promises, people, things that we take, basic Bible belief stuff. And we're starting to talk. He's like, I have all these questions. About, I, I believe in Jesus, but I have all these questions about the Bible. How do we know it's true? And then, then what about all these other things and then other world religions and all that stuff? Did I make a big mistake by believing in Christ and all, you know? And he just wants to know. He's not really questioning things. He just wants to know. And we're sitting there in Lincoln High School cafeteria and we're just laying out the gospel. And the more verses we read about the righteousness of God, the more it's just like, okay, all right. And I say, you see, the gospel is just all about this. Every other world religion tells you to work, 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 work. Here's the system. Work, be good, do good. Hopefully, if, if there is a deity, the deity will, will approve of you if you do enough good works. And that's every system you will ever hear about, ever, says work hard, be good. And when you die, hopefully it'll all work out. The beauty of Jesus is this. All you have to do is believe in Christ. Believe. It's free. You get to believe. It will require obedience of you and it will require your whole life. But his righteousness will be yours. And the guy in Lincoln Cafeteria starts bobbing his head, you know, all right, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, hey, that is, I'm like, it's almost like good news, isn't it? Yeah. That's the best system, man. Righteousness given. When you get it, you'll get through whatever God takes you through. You'll be unashamed because we do have the best Savior in the world. Amen? We do have the greatest. I mean, he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Our faith is in him, and there is nothing anybody can take away from us. So yeah, should we be unashamed? 
Yep. Is Jesus really coming back from heaven? Yep. Is it worth laying your whole life down for other people? Yes. So God wants you to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. The three truths were power, salvation, and righteousness. You know those three things. God will use you in great ways to be unashamed. So as the worship band comes up, I just want to leave you with this. I found this this week in my study time. I thought it was so awesome. And I'll try to read it really well for you so it's beautiful to listen to, but it's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. Some of you maybe have already read it. The author is actually unknown, which is really cool because God gets the glory. But I want you to listen to this and be encouraged. This is a Christian declaring they are unashamed of the gospel. It says this, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. That's good. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by his presence. I learn by faith. I love by patience. I lift up by prayer and I labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is... My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up in the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes, he will recognize me as one of the unashamed. May God make it true. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, unashamed, unashamed. You know the fears that are inside of our hearts. You know what holds us back. And Jesus, you want to just pull those walls down. You want to do some stuff. You want to make us unashamed. So God, do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it. We confess sin, we get right. Lord, we look at Jesus, we follow him, we love him. And Lord, may we understand the truth of the power of the gospel. There is no greater power in all the world than the power of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And Lord, we think of just this beautiful 
gospel. Make us love it. Make us live for it. And God, we know that as we walk unashamed, you will hold us fast. Jesus, you will hold us while we go. So Lord, come hold us now as we respond in song and we talk about you holding us fast. Oh God, make it so beautiful and true from our hearts that you will hold us as we walk unashamed. Help us respond in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand up together.